You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Welcome to our second week of Transforming Prayer. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the first week of meeting together. We had a fantastic time uh, on Tuesday morning. I was going to stand up here and say the Tuesday morning group is easily the best group, but I've learned that some groups had cake this week. So obviously we've got to step our game up on a Tuesday morning. Uh, I hope you've all been getting stuck into the daily devotionals as well. John Wesley says, prayer is where the action is. And I'm glad that we're getting hold of that truth together as a church. I'm just going to kick us off uh, before we start uh, by praying for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the incredible gift that prayer is. I thank you for the privilege it is to be able to come to you in prayer. This morning, would you help us to discover more about what prayer is, what it means, and the power that it holds? Would you raise our expectations for our prayer times? Would you increase our confidence that we might be able to come boldly before you in our times of prayer? Nor would you give me the words to speak this morning? Would you use what I say to touch, to change people's hearts? Would you transform the way that we pray this morning and excite us about the transformation that you're going to do in our lives, in this borough, in this city, in this nation, as a result of this Transforming Prayer series? Amen. 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 I want to start with a question. Have the excuses started yet? I had quite a late night last night, and I just needed that extra half hour in bed this morning. I, I just had to get to that washing up before I left for work, so I, I didn't get around to anything else. I wasn't feeling very well this afternoon, so I had to skip it today. All of the kids were doing different things at different places across the borough, so I didn't have any time this evening. When we're not confident about something, we can find any excuse to put it off, to take a break, simply not to do it. This can apply to our prayer lives as well. Often we want to pray. We know that our prayers have transforming power, but we simply lack the confidence to sit down and actually do it. None of those reasons I just said are bad reasons not to do something, but we we can't allow our lack of confidence to hide behind those excuses. I truly believe that when we become more confident prayers we will find that the excuses seem much less legitimate or even unnecessary. And I'm hoping that this is the transformation that starts to happen in us today, that we're encouraged to stop making excuses, to begin to look forwards to our times of prayer. And we're going to do some praying ourselves at the end of the meeting to get the next week of prayer off to a confident start. So in order to pray with confidence, we need to know we're standing on firm foundations when it comes to what we believe about prayer, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to lay some foundations as we move on into this Transforming Prayer series. We'll be talking in our meetups about how we pray in certain situations and the structure of prayer, but what we need to do before that is lay down the foundations, lay down the truth about prayer, which we can then start to build on. You might be a prayer warrior in this room. You might just be exploring what it means to pray. You might have never prayed before. We all need to start here. If you've never prayed before, whether that's because you never tried, you never knew you could, maybe you never wanted to, I'm really excited that you're in the room this morning. Prayer can and will transform your life. And it's a pleasure to introduce you to it this morning. 
even if you wouldn't call yourself a believer, you are absolutely not excluded from prayer. It's not just a privilege granted to the best Christians in the room. It's an experience for everyone here this morning. Luke 11, verse 1, talks of the disciples observing Jesus praying. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, it probably doesn't surprise you to hear that Jesus must have been an incredible prayer. The way that he prayed clearly stirred the disciples to such an extent that they had to have some of what he had. It must have been so obvious to them that the power that he carried had its roots in his prayer life. If we want to lay down some firm foundations when it comes to our own prayer lives, if we want to experience some of that power that Jesus experienced, we first need to eliminate some wrong thinking, some misconceptions that can cause us to get frustrated when we pray. So first, we're going to establish four things that prayer is not. First off, prayer is not a magic wand. It's not something we just wave and boom, everything changes. Now, I know that, yes, sometimes prayer can have immediate, powerful impacts on people's lives, and I love it when that happens. I love when someone is miraculously healed or someone is instantly set free from a burden they've been carrying. But those moments are not because we've finally found the right magical phrase that means every time we pray from then on, we're always going to get the answer we want. There isn't some perfect combination of words or actions that mean we're going to see immediate change whenever we pray. Secondly, prayer is not a fire extinguisher. So much of the time, prayer is something which in our lives is behind a pane of glass marked break in case of emergency. We often hear that phrase, don't we? All we can do now is pray. What a sad phrase, as if prayer is some last-ditch, final, throw-of-the-dice, end-of-the-road option when all of the more trustworthy ways of dealing with the situation have been eliminated. When we pray like this, we reveal the true nature of our hearts. When we trust other things ahead of prayer, it shows us that, in fact, we're putting other things ahead of God. Prayer should be the first thing we do. Before you buy that car, before you move to that place, before you uh, send your kids off to school, prayer should be our first choice, not our last resort. Thirdly, prayer is not a tug of war. In Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of the persistent widow. I'm sure you've heard of it. A widow repeatedly comes before an earthly judge with many requests, and initially he denies her, but after a while she keeps coming back and he's worn down and he finally gives in. And Jesus tells this parable not as an example of what God is like, but as an example of what he is not like. Our Heavenly Father doesn't need us to convince him to answer our prayers. We're going to talk a little bit about that later, but if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves we have to beg or bargain to get anything out of God. We can start to pray prayers like, well, Lord, you know, if I get that promotion, you know, I'll be getting paid slightly more, and that 10% tithe, that'll be a little bit extra, and we both know you really need that extra bit of money to really transform people's lives. One, we know that's not true, don't we? We know that God is God. He can transform people's lives uh, whenever he wants to. 
And also, we don't need to offer God something in return. God loves to bless us by answering our prayers. If it's part of his plan that you get that promotion, you can pray for it in full confidence that you'll get that promotion. Number four, final misconception we can have about prayer. Prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. There's not a certain number of times we need to recite a certain phrase in order to get right before God. Yes, when we sin, confessional prayer is important. It's important to come before God and recognize when we've done wrong. But prayer itself is not what absolves that sin. That is all done by the blood of Jesus. Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 7, when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. There's no need to keep repeating something over and over and over to get yourself right with God. You are right with God because of the blood of Jesus. Prayer is not a punishment for your sin. It is supposed to be a pleasure and a privilege. And hopefully uh, by the end of this morning we will all be realising that to a greater extent. So we've cleared away those old shaky foundations that we were attempting to build prayer lives on before. It's time to focus on installing some firm foundations. We're going to look at some truths that once we get a hold of them will allow us to build a passionate and exciting prayer life on top. A prayer life centered on confidence in God as we pray, and a prayer life which rises above all of those potential excuses. The first thing to say is that prayer is a crucial part of our relationship with God. I know, again, it sounds pretty basic, but everyone needs to hear the basics every once in a while. Prayer is about true relationship with God, and when we have true relationship with God, we can be unashamedly ourselves. I think we'd all agree that the best relationships in life are those in which we can be absolutely ourselves. You may be looking at me stood up here thinking, I look like a perfectly normal guy. Well, the people who know me best would strongly disagree with you on that one. They, uh, they get the privilege, and I'm calling it a privilege, of seeing all of my very strange and unusual quirks. And experiencing all 3,000 of my various different types of laugh. <laughs> and that is what our relationship with God is to be like. That's, what, that, that's the kind of relationship I want to have with my Heavenly Father, where I can be totally myself in His presence. So that's where a lot of the truths we're going to look at today come from. The fact that prayer is about developing genuine relationship with God. And Paul talks about this too. One of the noticeable things about Paul's letters is that when he prays for the churches to which he's writing, he prays not for their circumstances, but that regardless of their circumstances, that they develop in their knowledge of and their relationship with God. In Ephesians 1, he writes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He's actually never recorded as praying for their circumstances to change. These people would have lived in much tougher times than we live in now as Christians. They would have been persecuted for their faith. Some of them would have been being killed for believing that Jesus was who he said he was. Paul recognizes that there's something more important than praying for a change in their circumstance. 
that the starting point of their prayer lives is to develop, is to develop knowledge and passion for the most important and the longest lasting relationship that we'll ever have. When the eyes of our heart are enlightened, as Paul writes in verse 18, we truly grasp what knowing God is all about. And that is where transforming prayer really begins. So we want to increase our relationship with God. Let's start laying down some truths which we can use as foundations. So as we continue to move through this transforming prayer series, we know we're building on relationship with God based on truth, based on knowledge of him. So truth number one, God loves for us to talk to him about anything. God is interested in what you're interested in. He loves you. He is your heavenly father and he loves you. You've heard a bit about that this morning already, haven't we? And when you love someone, you become interested in what they're interested in. I played American football at university. I think there's a photo here. Uh, and I've actually highlighted myself. Uh, if you go to the next slide, Barney, I'm just up in this corner. You, you will notice that this is not a picture of me actually playing American football, which probably gives you a good idea as to how good I was at American football. This is fairly indicative of my career, is standing behind the guys who are clearly quite good in the front and just posing in the background. But hey... So if you've ever watched any American football, you'll probably know that the rules are quite complex to pick up. It's not an easy game to get into. Obviously, when I played, I was invested, and I learned the rules, and I'm a bit of a nerd, so I quite enjoyed it. But my parents used to occasionally come along and watch me play. And if you thought the rules of American football were difficult to pick up when you're sitting on your sofa, and there's all the graphics and the commentators telling you what's happened... It's basically impossible to learn when you're standing in the rain on the side of the Reading University third team rugby pitch and no one really knows what's going on. On the last game that I played at university, my mum turns to my dad and she says, you know, I'm just about getting the hang of these rules. And obviously that was the last game of my entire career and I never played again. But she was trying, bless her. She really wasn't interested in American football at all. She's not going to be staying up until the early hours of tomorrow morning to watch the Super Bowl. But she loved me, and so she was interested in what I was interested in. And that is what our Heavenly Father is like. Also, it's important to note that God knit us together in our mother's womb. We are made in the image of God. He gave us interests in the first place. And if we're seeking to be those who are after God's heart, as David is described in the book of Acts, our interests are going to come into line with God's. Of course he's interested in what you're interested in, because he's probably the reason that you're interested in it in the first place. Psalm 103 talks of God being our father and that he has compassion on us. I don't know if you've ever had... Uh, a conversation with a small child uh, when they're learning to talk. Often this happens to me uh, in church situations, and you'll be having this conversation, a very nice conversation, and then the child will start using a word or a phrase, and you just have no idea what they're trying to say. 
Now, usually in these situations, helpfully, the parent of the child is within earshot and is able to interpret what the child is saying, and then you're usually fine. Our Heavenly Father is just the same. He knows how to interpret our childlike prayers. As we begin to learn to speak to him, it is always possible to have a conversation with him, however childlike we feel as we approach him. Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation. Sometimes we can think of prayer as a fairly one-way conversation. If you're sitting there and you've been praying for a while or you're just starting to pray and you're not sure it really feels like a conversation, can I encourage you, get back to the Bible. You have the written word of God in your hand, in your back pocket. If you've got a smartphone, you can even have it read to you. If you're not sure what part God is playing in the conversation of prayer in your life, start listening. This is the actual word of the living God, and he wants to speak to you in wonderful ways through the Bible. Okay, that was the first truth. The second truth that we learn as we develop real relationship with God is that he listens to prayers which are sincere and simple. Hebrews 10:22 says, "Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart." We know that God loves for us to talk to him, and he also wants to hear what's on our heart. God wants us to be honest with him. There are often times in life when something weighs on our heart, something dominates our thoughts. Recently, the fact that I'm preaching this morning has been one of those things. I've known about it for a couple of months, and I don't preach particularly often, so obviously it's been on my mind a lot, and I'm a classic overthinker, so it's been there a significant amount. And also, it's been on my heart because I'm passionate about seeing all of you take the next step in your prayer lives and become more confident prayers. If I'd entered into a time of prayer in the last couple of months and chosen not to pray about this morning or whatever else was dominating my thoughts at that time, that would have been a dishonest way to enter into prayer. I would have been putting a barrier between myself and God as I prayed. Because he knows me, he knows my heart, he knows if I'm holding something back from him. He wants me to share those intimate things that are on my heart because he's the best person to share them with. It's a bit like if you're at an event or you're with some friends and there's food and drink and inevitably something gets spilt and usually, I've got to be honest, this is usually the case with me, I'm dreading to say this because I'm wearing a white shirt now, but whenever I wear a white shirt at any sort of event, If there's food or drink involved, or to be honest, even if there's not, somehow I'll manage to spill something down myself, which is why I've been avoiding the the desk over to your left with the teas and coffees on it, like the plague so far this morning, because I just knew something was going to happen. But so far, I'm okay, I think. So, you know, five minutes after the meeting, you'll see me with a cup of coffee, and you know exactly what's going to happen after that. Um, But if I'm in that situation... And I'm having a conversation with a friend, and 
I fail to mention the fact that I've just dropped ketchup down the middle of my shirt. That is something that's going to get in the way of us having a proper conversation. They know that it's there. I know that I've just done it. It's so much easier to get it out in the open. Let God know about what is on your heart. He knows about it. You know about it. And when you come to him in prayer and be honest about what's on your heart, it opens up so much freedom in your prayer lives. The last thing on this before I move on. When we pray honestly, it's important to tell God how we actually feel. We don't need to be super spiritual about it every time we come to him in prayer. We don't need to use the right words. We don't always need to be happy with God when we come to him in prayer. We can be honest with God if we're angry, if we're frustrated, if we're tired, if we've had a bad week. We're trying to instill a discipline of prayer in our lives. And if we're doing that, to be honest, there's going to be days in the next week, in the next month when we come before God in prayer and we have had a terrible night's sleep. Or we have got family situations going on which are weighing on our minds. Or we have got angry at someone previous to when we're going into that time of prayer. But be honest with God. I guarantee you there are people in this room who have never experienced the full freedom of what prayer is really like because you feel like you can't be honest with God when you come to him. Take off the mask of thinking that you have to be perfect to come before your heavenly father. He isn't going anywhere. You're not going to offend him by bringing your true emotions to him. He loves it when you're honest with him. And to truly experience freedom in prayer, we need to be fully honest with God. Third truth, God loves to reveal himself to us by answering our prayers. Praying and seeing those prayers answered allows us to experience more of who God is, to witness more of his character He is a generous God. We've been talking this morning, haven't we, and in our groups this week about praying prayers where we ask God for things that we never thought we could ask him for, asking him boldly, knowing that he loves to answer our prayers. Matthew 7 verse 11 is one I'm sure many of you will have heard before. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And it makes sense, really, doesn't it? How else are we going to discover more of the generosity of God if we don't ask him to provide? How are we going to discover more of God's grace if we don't come to him when we stumble? How are we going to discover more of God's wisdom and guidance if we don't come to him before we make a decision? Let me also say this, when God answers our prayers, it reveals his goodness regardless of the way that he answers. God sometimes says no to our requests, and that can be difficult to handle. Sometimes we might not understand, but it is always for our benefit. Rick Warren says this, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. Sometimes we're just not ready for God to give us something that we're asking him of. Our character needs to develop first, 
And the only way for that to happen often is for God to answer with, not yet. You're not ready for that yet. And do you know what? In those situations, what I have found is usually I'm not ready for God to grant that request because he has immeasurably more to give me than I could ever ask or imagine. God loves to show his goodness, and sometimes he does that by helping us grow even when we don't think we need to. I'm not standing here today saying that's always an easy thing to deal with, but I don't know about you, I am willing to wait for something that God thinks it's worth me waiting for. That might be a level of responsibility at work or at church, a home, financial blessing, healing, breakthrough. Sometimes we need to just trust God and know that he is more interested in our character than our comfort. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, in the message version says this, Call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Notice this verse doesn't say, call to me and I will answer you. I will say yes to all of your requests. I'm sure I'm not the only person in the room that's actually quite thankful that God hasn't said yes to all of the requests that I've made in my life. I certainly wouldn't be standing here if that was the case. Sometimes God wants to open our eyes to what we can't see on our own. Sometimes that greater perspective that results in incredible blessings comes from our requests being denied. Final point, and this is the big one. This is the one truth, not just when it comes to prayer, but the one truth about relationship with God, which consistently blows my mind every single time I think about it. The fourth truth, God longs to be close to me. God, the creator of the universe, the master of time and space, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, wants personal relationship with me. You see, the relationship with God that we've been talking about is not a one-way relationship. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not a case of us desperately trying to do our best to get God's attention, madly waving at some deity which is looking in the other direction. It's not us trying to desperately get God to hear what we're trying to say. In fact, often it's the other way around. Often, God is desperate for us to listen, desperate for us to hear what he wants to say to us. Your heavenly father is longing for deeper relationship with you. Many of you will know the feeling of being away from people that you love for a long period of time. You might have family in another country. You might have friends who moved away or a spouse who travels for work. When this is the case, when you've been away from people that you love, you can't wait to talk to them. I know with the magic of technology, it's much easier to talk to someone now when they're halfway around the world. But there's no real substitute for a genuine conversation. 
I'm uh, going to be at the New Ground Academy next weekend, which is a fantastic uh, opportunity. And I, I love being the teaching that's there and being fired up for the gospel. One of the other reasons I look forward to it every time is because I get to see people there that I don't see often, as often as I would like. I get to see my parents who are there. I've got friends from other churches who I don't see very often. I am longing for genuine conversation with the people that I love and that I don't get to see as often as I would like. And that is exactly what God is like with us. We can learn through reading books about him. We can learn through teaching. We can hear from other people about their relationship with him. But he longs for us to enter into true personal conversation with him. Mark, just grab some water. Isaiah thirty eighteen says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. We were made for fellowship with God, and he longs for us to come to him so that he can reveal to us his grace. Thank you, mate. There are many parents in the room, and some of you have children who can't yet talk to you. Some of you have children who, tragically, for one reason or the other, can't talk to you because they've never been able to. Some of you long to talk to your children, and they can, but they won't, or they don't. You long to talk to them. You long to listen to them. That is the way that God feels about you. That is the way that your heavenly father feels about every single person in this room. He desires to have conversation with you. Don't turn around and walk away from the opportunity to have conversation with your heavenly father this morning. Hosea 6 says this, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In the living version, it's translated as this, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings, I want you to know me. We were made for relationship with God. He sent his only son to die on a cross because he could not bear not being able to have relationship with us. If you allow me to be blunt, if you miss that, you miss the point. That's why we're doing transforming prayer. Because the most important thing in your entire life is your relationship with God above your finances, above your uh, living situation, above your family, your friends, your relationship with God is the most important thing in your entire life. And prayer is the conversation that helps that relationship grow and flourish and begin to transform not just how you pray, but the whole of your life. So let's make time for that. This week, as we meet together, we're going to be talking about confidence in prayer. Let's get excited about 
being able to pray with a newfound confidence now that we know about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, I started this message by praying, and I told you I was going to finish by praying too, but I'm not going to do that on my own. So we want to be confident prayers. We want to start this week off by praying confidently. I've got a challenge for you. Earlier, when we were chatting to each other, I used the decibel meter to measure how loud we were when we were talking to each other. We got to 80 decibels. So I'm going to challenge you now as we finish this message in prayer, in conversation, not with each other, but with our Heavenly Father, to beat that decibel level. I'm going to encourage you to pray however you feel most comfortable. You can stand, you can walk around if you'd like. If you'd like to stay seated, that's absolutely fine. If you want to kneel, you're very welcome. But let's pray confidently. Let's remember that God loves us to pray about anything, about what's on our heart. If you run out of things to pray for, pray for them again. Pray for the person on your left. Pray for the person on your right. Don't worry about people overhearing what you're praying about because we're all going to be praying. Amen? Amen. If you're sitting here today and you've never prayed, then I would encourage you to step out of the boat now. Go for it. If you wouldn't call yourself a believer this morning, I don't want you to feel under pressure to pray. But if there was one moment where you thought it might be all right for you to get away with praying... Now is probably that time. 